Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. Well, hi. Uh, an elbow bump, a shoulder bump, and a foot shake to every one of you. <laughs> Did you get that clearly? <laughs> We're right at the beginning of a brand new series that Pastor Jonathan started last weekend. And what a great teaching. We're talking about dealing with difficult people. Were you in on that great teaching? Go to the website. It's archived there if you missed last weekend. But he talked about dealing with what kind of people? Confrontational. Wasn't that a great message? Now that all of the confrontational people in our lives are done away with, right? Let's move on to unpleasable people. All right? Do a mental survey, personal one. Just calculate quickly how many are, are, are clearly online here at agent court just quickly mentally calculate how many unpleasable people you have in your life uh, let's start with parents how many your, your parents were impossible to please do not put up your hand in case they attend or or i mean some no matter what you do it's never good enough right and then some people, uh, it goes the other way too. Some people, it's the parents who have unpleasable kids, right? I mean, you do this for them, they're not happy. You do that for them, they're not happy. You do this and that for them, and they're still unpleasable. Uh, should we talk about unple unpleasable spouses? No, okay, good. All right, let's move on then. What about an unpleasable boss? Someone who just, you can't seem to do anything right for them. And, and if you do do something right, they take credit for it, right? And so, um, why did some on staff at the church just say yes? No, anyway. <clears throat> How do we deal with unpleasable people? Jesus had more than his share. Between Jesus and John the Baptist, they reached out to thousands of people, hundreds of whom were unpleasable. Now, John the Baptist, do you know him? Uh, know of him? He was the forerunner, the advance man for Jesus. For centuries, the Old Testament prophets had said that someday someone's going to come and they're going to prepare the way for the Messiah. That was the advanced man. That's the forerunner. That's John the Baptist. Uh, scripture had said that they would come. And it was sort of like uh, if you go to a music concert that has an opening act, it's just preparing the way for the main event. It prepares you for it. And except as Jesus points out, it's sort of like going to a rock music concert and the opening act is hillbilly band music. It's just Jesus, no, no, he is so transparent about the differences between him and John the Baptist. He talks about clothing. Jesus wore a nice robe that men wore in the first century Middle East. John the Baptist, do you know what he wore for clothing? Animal skins, 
camel's hair, food, Jesus ate fish, meat, poultry, fruits, vegetables, baked goods. Do you know what John the Baptist ate? Locusts and honey. How many of you, you got to be weird to like a combo plate like that. Accommodation, Jesus was in lots of houses in his lifetime. John the Baptist, his home was in the wilderness. Luke 7, 24, Jesus says to the crowd, he says, when you went to see John the Baptist in the wilderness, did you expect to see him dressed like a, a government office worker? Someone who worked in the palace for Herod? Communication styles were so different. John the Baptist is this loud, preachy, traditional-like Old Testament prophet. Jesus is this trustworthy, authoritative, storytelling, prophetic-speaking teacher. That was his style. And yet, watch this. They both had the exact same message. Exact same message. It's like... Jesus would finish John the Baptist's sentences. John the Baptist would say, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus would say, here I am. The kingdom of God is here. John the Baptist would say, you people, you all need forgiveness. Jesus says, follow me and I'll forgive your sins. John the Baptist would say, turn from your wrongs. And Jesus would say, and follow me to Father God. How did the people respond? Well, if uh, Jesus and John the Baptist were both on Twitter, they would have had probably some of the most followers of anybody on earth at that time. Uh, and here's what you see. Here's the interesting part. Listen to this. The same people that said yes to John the Baptist said yes to Jesus. And the same people that said no to John the Baptist said no to Jesus. And of course, Jesus longs for all of those people, every one of us, even those that say no, to follow him to Father God. And so he uses this illustration for the crowd. He says, to what can I compare the people of this generation? Jesus asked. How can I describe them? They are like children playing a game in the public square. They complain to their friends, we played wedding songs. And you didn't dance. We played funeral songs. And you didn't weep. So I thought I'd invite some of our vocal and uh, musicians, uh, the team that's been leading us so well tonight, to just sort of help me. Because what would be a song that should unite us all? How many understand none of us are worthy of God's grace, but Jesus came and loved us and died for us anyway? Right on? That's amazing. Grace. So this is amazing. Do you know that song? You know, like, there, there could be no better song that sort of says what the good news of Jesus really is. Go, go ahead. Let's, let's play it. Let's try it like this. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. Okay, how many like it? How many, how many like it, but you don't love it? Yeah, okay, some really love it. Okay, no, no, okay. But listen, we're talking about that good news of amazing grace, but presented in a, a different style. Oh, different than that one. Different. Maybe like a minor key or something. 
about um, this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love That you would take my place You would bear my cross Okay, how, how many? How many? All right. You lay down I, but, 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 uh, Hey, hey, there's some, some don't like it. Okay, let's try something else. Hey, something else. Let's Maybe. do one for the young ones. More modern. That's cool. This is amazing. Yo, yo, this grace is amazing. It saved me from a past and a present that enslaved me. Now I got hope for a future. Hope, hope for a future. Hey, got a better present now more than usual. Hope for a future. Hope, hope for a future. Hey, got a better present now. Okay, more than usual. okay, I like it. They really like it. But you know, not maybe not everybody. One more, one more. Style. One more style. Same Amazing Grace lyrics. One that Pastor Jonathan might like. Okay, yeah. Let's do it, right? They say it's amazing grace. This is amazing love. Okay, how many have had just about enough of that? Alright, alright. So th that was different style. Okay, let, let's thank these people for helping us. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, we, 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 we presented the good news in so many different styles, and yet you just said no. No. And you weren't rejecting the style. You're rejecting the truth, the lyrics, the message of God's love. And so uh, Jesus is basically saying whatever food or clothing or music or communication style that you like, I love you. I love you. And, and I came to give every one of you two gifts, forgiveness for your past and eternal life for your future. And so here's the first truth now about pleasing people. All right, here's the first one. Allow space for diverse styles and personalities, but keep the main thing the main thing. <laughs> Listen, earlier in Luke 7, you can read it. Even John the Baptist was seeing such differences in style and approach between him and Jesus. He sent two of his leaders to ask Jesus this question. Are you the Messiah? Are you the one that we are looking for, or should we be expecting someone else? You believe that? I mean, come on. He has the privilege of being the forerunner for the Messiah, Jesus. And he, and he says, are, are you really the one? Like our, style, our approach, we're just so different. Jesus does not say, what kind of forerunner did I get stuck with? You've been eating too many locusts, John. You know, get dressed up like me. Have a communication style like me. That introspective hermit needs to get out of the wilderness more often. No, no, quite the opposite. Watch this. Jesus' response reassures John personally, and then he reaffirms John publicly to the people. 
He says, he says first the personal re- affirmation. He, he says, he re- reassurance to John. He says, he says, what people said about the Messiah is happening. What, what, what the Old Testament prophets said about the Messiah is happening through me. The blind see, the lame walk, good news is preached to the poor. And then he turns to reaffirm John the Baptist publicly before the people and says, John's the one of whom it is written, I will send a messenger ahead to prepare the way of the Lord. Our styles are so polarized in their differences but we're on the same page, John. Now, why does Jesus allow for so much diversity when it comes to clothing and food and music and communication style? How many understand it's because he wants people of every food preference and music preference and and, and every socioeconomic background, he wants all of them to receive his gifts of forgiveness and eternal life. He wants all of them to receive his grace. You know, when I was studying for you this past week, uh, I had this song going through my head. Do you remember we sing it sometimes? I don't think we say it tonight, but it don't matter where we come from. Everyone is welcome in your kingdom. It don't matter if we're broke or we're broken. In your love we have found our freedom, all the rich, all the poor. Do I like the grammar? No, I don't. I don't like the grammar. It's not my preference, but I love the message. Love the message that Jesus is for everyone, even for those who have bad grammar, right? <laughs> Jesus for everyone. Listen, it's not unusual for, for Pastor Jonathan or myself to be asked, you know, something like this, you know, this church up the road, they're doing this, or over in that country, they're doing that. Why aren't we doing this? Or, you know, th- 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 that church is doing that, but we're doing this. And yet, our answer, I know what his answer will be, the exact same as mine. Thank the Lord they're doing it different. Because that means they'll be reach, reaching people that one church will never be able to reach. Do you see that? It's just an affirmation of different styles, different preferences. We understand that we're all different. Jesus was never into making cookie-cutter Christians, Right? We're all different. How many are glad there's room for the, in, in Christ's kingdom for every one of us? Every one of us. You know, and it's for, for decades. That has been the, as part of the personality of this one church family. That people can come from any socioeconomic, cultural, or generational background. And they'll find a welcome here. How many say, may it always be that way? Right on? May it always be that way. And so uh, we allow space for diverse styles and personalities, but we keep the main thing the main thing. All right, here's here's the second truth about unpleasable people. Don't let people with PUD determine what you become or what you don't become. Unpleasability comes in a a, a range of uh, conditions. PUD is the most severe, it's the most serious of the conditions that unpleasable people can have, all right? The most mild condition of unpleasability, I think we all have it to some degree, and that's OUS. That's occasionally unpleasable syndrome. Every one of us can sort of get into a mood, right? Or feel insecure, 
or just have our preferences. And there's times we're just not easily pleased. You say, is there a remedy for that? Yeah, we're going to talk about it before we have communion. But there's not only O-U-S, there's E-U-S. That's excessively unpleasable syndrome. This is not an occasional, um, you know, symptom that someone could have. This is a frequent condition. How many of people in your life that wherever they go, they bring happiness? How many of other people in your life that whenever they go, they bring happiness, right? You see, they're just, they're just some people. You say, how do they get like that? Well, sometimes people grow up in a home where nothing they did was pleasing the parents, and it's sort of like an emotionally genetic condition. They have a blind spot. They don't even see themselves being unpleasable. They think it's normal. Perfectionist personalities can be especially vulnerable to getting EUS. You know, listen, if, if they're never pleased with themselves, why would they be pleased with you? Some people have the EUS. Now, so we've got OUS, EUS, then there's PUD. This is permanently unpleasable disease. You say, why isn't it a syndrome? Because I didn't want to put the word, anyway. <laughs> Jesus describes three stages of PUD, all right? Three stages. You don't always have all the sickness at the same time, but one sort of leads into the next stage. The first stage is stubbornly unteachable. Some, listen, the same people that said no to John the Baptist said no to the Messiah Jesus. Their minds were made up already. They would have, they would just say no to any truth that tinkered with their pride, the way they wanted the style to be, their preferences. Now, we have sayings about people who are stubbornly unteachable. Help me out, you know. My mind is made up. Don't confuse me with the facts, right? It's my way or the... I heard you at clearly. That's right. You know, someone said it this way. They said, a stubborn man does not hold opinions. Opinions hold him. They're just stuck there. They're stuck there. You know, uh, have you seen this picture in the news? This is a picture of a courageous doctor who last December, right in the epicenter of the coronavirus situation, he sounded the the alarm in his hospital where he worked about what he called a SARS-like virus that was appearing in patients at the hospital. This is a month before, you know, January, where we all started to hear about it. The police arrested him in China, accused him of interrupting the social order, spreading false rumors, and told him to not talk about this virus anymore. Listen, can you imagine how different the health situation in the world would be today had we had an extra month to work on it? See, stubbornly unteachable. Like the unteachable people that Jesus and John the Baptist had in their generation. We've got them today. You know, listen, in our world of politics, don't we have people in our world today who put political ideology ahead of what's true? In social media, being liked on social media is more important than being real on social media. In culture, saving face is more important than saving people. 
Making people think I'm right is more important than being right with people. And, 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 and it's a dangerous thing to get stubbornly unteachable because it leads to the next stage of PUD, permanently unpleasable disease. And that is the blindness of ingratitude. Here's the second stage. You may have heard stories about the uh, Zamboni driver. You know that machine that goes out between periods and uh, hockey and it clean, cleans the ice and there's a driver there? This uh, guy had played hockey before, but now he's 42 years old. And uh, two goalies are down for the, uh, what team was it? The Carolina Hurricanes due to injuries. And this Zamboni driver had to step in on an emergency basis and be a goalie for the Carolina Hurricanes against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, well, just watch, watch when you get to the response of the coach when he finds that a Toronto 42-year-old Zamboni driver is going to be his goalie in the NHL game. We have word that Dave Ayers, 42 years of age, emergency support goaltender, will be forced into service here for the Hurricanes. Midpoint Barry, a shot, loose, they score! Pierre Engvall! And there's nothing the goaltender could do about that one. Do you see the face of the coach? There's just no way. It can't get worse than this. Listen, how many know they won the game over the Toronto Maple Leafs? With this guy in goal. This guy, the coach is rolling his eyes. Why? He's blind to see anything good coming out of this situation he did not prefer. And when you have PUD, that's the way you see life every day. You just can't see anything good. Do you know, have you ever read parts of the Bible like Romans chapter 1 and seen the, the, the relationship between ingratitude and blindness? If you want to go blind to truth, just be ungrateful. It's part of the message of Romans 1. There are people in Jesus' day and ours who get to this stage of PUD. It's almost like you can't believe how blind they get to the truth happening right in front of them. But Jesus says this in, in, later in Luke. In Luke 16, look at, look at Jesus' shocking words. He says, he says to the people, he says to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone... <laughs> Can you believe it? Can you imagine Jesus rising from the dead and people are so blind by their own beliefs or their own religion, their own preferences, they will not believe that he is the Messiah. That's incredible. See, PUD is a dangerous disease. First stage, stubbornly unteachable. Second stage is you have this blindness of ingratitude, but it can go even into this where you, third, deceive with false accusations. Do you know what someone with PUD does when they're cornered with truth? If you have someone in your orbit who where they're, 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 they're confronted with truth, you've had this happen. They're cornered. They can't not deny the truth, so what do they do? They falsely accuse the messenger. It's exactly what happens. You know, and, and listen, that's, this is nothing new. That's exactly what they did to John the Baptist. It's exactly what they did to Jesus. Look, look at verse 33 of Luke 7. For John the Baptist didn't spend his time eating bread or drinking wine. And you say, 
He's possessed by a demon. Now, what evidence is there that someone that's doing so much good on the planet is possessed by something evil? None. And then they go on and they take on Jesus. The Son of Man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks, and you say, he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. Was Jesus a glutton and a drunkard? No, but you see, they're cornered with truth, and they have to avoid the truth, and so they attack the person who's bringing the truth. How many have found that that is just... How many have ever been in a situation where when someone decides they don't like you, there's nothing you can do to, <laughs> to convince them otherwise? You can be totally right about something, and they'll just find... They'll just end up attacking you. So with a, if you're in your, in your life, if you have a person with PUD, don't let those people determine who or what you become, or constrain you, restrict you, so you do not become what God put you on the planet to be. If you have parents or siblings that have just said this about you, and said that about you, and put downs, and you'll never amount to anything, and just taking their own frustrations out on you, and just demeaning you all your life. Listen, I've met people who are adults, some of them senior citizens, and their parents have been dead and gone for years. And those dead parents are still shaping what they think of themselves. Still determining what they'll become in life and what they will not become. I've seen siblings do that to brothers and sisters. If you have a boss in your life and you just become feeling less of a person every day you go to work because of the, the, just the way they, and Pastor John will be talking about manipulative people next weekend, but they demean and they put you down and there are false accusations. Listen, how many understand you, 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 you have a choice to determine, am I going to be what they say I am or am I going to be what Jesus says that I am? The same thing that happens with a gang of people. You can end up doing damaging things that you don't even want to do, but you're trying to please people that you're in the gang with. Listen, you were not made for their approval. When they're dead and gone, how many know Jesus will still be the one that you are to live to have the approval of? Right on? He is the one. All right, so, so that brings us to the third truth. And what do we do if we've got these people with PUD? They're just totally unpleasable in there in our lives. What about this? Get on with pleasing Father God, and you'll end up doing what most permanently pleases people. How does that happen? Well, let's, let's just before communion, let's just sort of see how it happens. Here's, here's what the Apostle Paul said. He summed it up this way. He said, our purpose is to please and not... That's our purpose on earth, to please God and not to please people. And I know some people, they'll say, I've had people say, well, you know, I, my parents are asking me to do something and I know it's not right, but the Bible says, obey your... Finish the sentence. Obey your parents in the Lord. See, there's your safety valve. Listen, if parents or any authority in your life ask you to lie or hate or be racist or to gossip or anything else that doesn't look like Jesus, you follow Jesus as your authority. Right on? He is your authority. Husbands, love your wives. 
Well, you know, I guess I got to do, this is not the right thing to do for our future, but I guess I got to do it if I love my wife. No, listen, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. You see, see, Jesus, you know, to dip back into a previous message, he's our cornerstone. He's the one we align our lives with to build the next part of our lives, even our relationships and marriage and friendships. Wives, submit to your husbands. Well, I know this isn't right, but my husband told me to. And the Bible says, submit to your husbands. Submit to your husbands as? I thought there'd be one woman in this place that would know the end of that verse. (laughs) Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. See, only as far as it means that you are not being disobedient to the Lord. Listen, if you're one of those people pleasers, you know, those, those people pleasing people who think that being a good Christian is trying to please everybody on the planet? How many are one of those people? Don't put up your hand. It's raining today. It must be my fault. How can I fix this? For everybody, right? There's some of those people. And listen, listen, you, you, you're, if you're a, one of those kind of people pleasers, you will kill yourself trying to please people with PUD. <laughs> now, before we go any further, let, let's, let's make sure we're being balanced biblically here, hearing what Jesus is saying and not saying what he isn't. Let's affirm what's right about pleasing people. How many know we are not on the planet to be selfish to please ourselves? We're here to serve others, to make a difference in the lives of others. We even adapt our preferences to make group happen, to make congregation, to make church happen. We die to self to do what is good for others. But the problem is that then we meet people in life who have PUD. And you cannot make them decide what they should do. You cannot make them love God and please him and and love others. You could just get on with pleasing Father God and you'll be doing the very best thing that you could be doing for those people with PUD. You know, if you're one of those people that just tries to bring the sides together all the time and you just live for that and you're consumed by that and you're just wearing yourself out in life, you're going to be like the, uh, the guy whose country was in a civil war and they each army that was against each other had their own uniform so he decided he would try to bring the two sides together he put on the upper uniform of one side and the bottom uniform of the other side and he walked out and he got shot at from both sides see just he couldn't please everybody you know it hit me a few years ago when we as a church family were studying in the gospel of john and 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 i i couldn't believe it i mean John chapter 6 and 7. Jesus has just healed someone disabled. He's fed 5,000 from a few fishes and loaves of bread. He's walked on water. And then he tells people he's come to be the bread of life so that they could live forever. And you know what they do? They grumble about him. And some stop following him. I remember scratching my thinking, what can he do to please people? He walks on water. Free fish and chips, all you can eat seafood buffet. I mean, just what he did all these miracles, and he says, I want you to live forever. And there's people that grumble about him. And I remember it just hit me for the first time. 
as a pastor who wanted to please everybody, it hit me. Listen, if Jesus was perfect, and if he couldn't please anyone, if he couldn't please everyone, how many know that means that some people won't be pleased even with perfection? How many are, I'm letting you off the hook here. And watch this. If Jesus couldn't please everyone, who do I think I am? Do I think I'm better than Jesus? In Matthew's gospel, Jesus gives instructions about how to bring his good news to the other communities of people. All kinds of different people. He says, go to all of them. Go to all people. Tell them the good news of the kingdom. The Messiah is here. Pray for them. Heal the sick. Speak peace. Here's where he says, freely you have received. Now freely give to others. But then Jesus says this, but if the people you go to and love and teach and heal and help, if they are stubbornly unteachable, if they refuse to receive, do you know what he says? He says, shake the dust off your feet. Shake the dust off your feet. He's saying, move on. Move on to receptive people. Pastor Jonathan was talking last weekend about even our conversations online that go to a bad place. Remember, disengage and walk away. It doesn't mean you hate them. It doesn't mean that you wish them wrong. You, you do your best and then you give God the rest. But you can't fix them. You cannot fix everything that's wrong in the world. Jesus says, shake the dust off your feet. So don't even take a residue with you, he is saying. Don't even take a residue with you. All right, so how are we healed of even a mild case of unpleasability? We, we've got, you know, what everybody has from time to time. We've got occasionally unpleasable syndrome. Or we have excessively unpleasable syndrome. Or we even have permanently unpleasable syndrome. Do you know what? I'm going to tell you straight. The only prescription, the only remedy, the only cure is to replace stubbornly unteachable, replace that with humbly accepting that Jesus knows more than you do. How many are, are thankful for the privilege of knowing that Jesus is exactly who he says he is? He is the Messiah. He's the Son of God. He is our Savior. He's the only one qualified to forgive the sins of our past and open up heaven into our future. Jesus is the only one. So we just humble ourselves and say, Jesus, you know more than I do. And then what's the cure for the blindness of ingratitude? Here it is. Praise Jesus for what he has done for you. This, this communion, just find a moment there where you say, Jesus, you did this for me. I praise you for what you have done for me. I don't have all the answers. And I, I don't want to be one of those ungrateful people that end up being blinded. So Jesus, I recognize you are my savior and I praise you for what you have done for me. What's the cure? What's the cure for deceiving with false accusations? It just means basically that we say, oh, Jesus, in my life, I'm going to live to please Father God. And when we do that, we will get on with doing what most permanently pleases other people. Watch this. Watch how this happens now. Do you know that Jesus goes right to the cross? He's dying, not because he has to, 
but because he's voluntarily sacrificing his life on the cross to pay for our damages that would keep us out of heaven. He's dying for our sins. And what are, there are people that are down there seeing him on the cross, and what are, they're mocking him. They're not pleased with no matter what he does. He's dying for them. And what are they saying? If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. Totally unpleasable. Now, watch this. If Jesus had have done what they're asking him to do, how many know they would have been the biggest losers? They would have lost forgiveness of sins for their past. They would have lost the opportunity to go to heaven in their future. Isn't that amazing? See, sometimes when Jesus doesn't do what pleases people, it's because he's doing what will most permanently please people. And that's you. You're one of his followers. There's times where where we just do what's right and we just love people. We don't hate them, but we, we, we sometimes shake off the dust and we just move on because no one can please someone who has PUD until they humble themselves and recognize that they're not the final conclusion to every matter. How many say, I want to live my future being like Jesus? Right on? Let's pray about this together. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time. Thank you.